بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا فورتھ آف آگسٹ ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد that we're going through the illustrious and exalted life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu. And I spent the last few sessions mentioning the so-called reports which mention that Ibn Mas'ud had a few problems with regards to the glorious Qur'an. And of course, they are nothing but falsehood. So the next section entitled, The Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu his displeasure over his disputation with Sayyidina Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas radiyallahu So the Khalif was Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu Abdullah ibn Mas'ud in Kufa as the chief judge but a dispute arose between Abdullah ibn Mas'ud in Kufa and the great Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas It is related that one of Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu's final command was that if the khalifat was not given to Sayyidina Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas radiyallahu then he should be reinstated as the governor of Kufa. So this shows the great veneration Sayyidina Umar had for him because if he's elected the khalif, excellent. If he's not elected the khalif, then reinstate him as the governor of Kufa. انتبری ان اس تاریخ فور ڈیش ٹو فور فور حافظ ابن العطیر ان اس القام الولیم تھری پیر سکسٹی ون البدایا ان دا چیپٹر آن دا ایئر ٹوینٹی فور اے ہیچ ان مینشنس ان دا ایئر ان وچ عثمان واز الیکٹڈ ردی اللہ عثمان ردی اللہ ریموڈ مغیرہ ابن شعبہ فرام اس پوسٹ ان کوفا ردی اللہ ان اپوائنٹڈ سعد ابن ابی وقاس ان اس پلیس ردی اللہ سیدنا عمر حد سیڈ If Sa'ad became a governor, then this would be excellent. Otherwise, he should be consulted and his help ought to be availed. Uthman therefore appointed him as the governor of Kufa and said, I have not removed Mughira for any fault on his part. He then kept Sayyidina Sa'ad in his post for a little over one year. So let's look at this very briefly. So the governor of Kufa was Mughira ibn Shu'ba, another very famous companion, radiyallahu, very shrewd, one of the four most slyest of the Arabs, very sly, intelligent, capable governor. He was dismissed. So this shows that the Sahaba, you know, they weren't, they, there's no political ambitions on their part. Dismissal, removal, another take their place. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas takes his place. Now what's strange? Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas was the first governor of Kufa. He actually built the city of Kufa. He was dismissed. Now he's appointed again, the second time in Kufa. And Uthman explained that Mughira has not been removed due to any failing on his part, meaning this was the wish of Umar. And then it says he was appointed as the governor for over one year, Sa'ad. In another report, Hafiz ibn Jarir said, Rahmatullah alayhi, According to Hafiz Waqidi Rahmatullahi, Sayyidina Sa'ad's governorship over Kufa was for one year until 25 AH. This is in Tabri Iris Tariq 
Al-Bidayah in the chapter on the year 24 Hij. So he was only a governor for over a year, just a little over a year. According to another report, this appointment for one year was also the wish of the late Amir al-Mu'mineen. For Zayd ibn Aslam relates from his father, Rahmatullah Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu had instructed that the governor should be appointed for one year. Thus Mughida and then Sa'ad each were removed after one year. And then Walid ibn Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt radiyallahu was made the governor. This is in Al-Bidayah in the chapter on the year 24 Hij. So why was Umar appointing or applying this policy? He just wanted to circulate the governors. He left some in place, some honorable exceptions. For example, Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan But generally he would move them around. And so if a person goes, why was he only governor for one year? Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. One response is, this was Umar's wish. But there's another reason. Another reason is also mentioned for the short authority of Sa'ad. Hafiz ibn Jarid said, Rahmatullah the first satanic inspired event amongst the inhabitants of Ufa led to his dismissal. <coughs> this is in Tabari in his Tariq 4-251. So Hafiz ibn Jalil, he was favoring another reason. Because there were some devilish elements and they wanted to undermine the authority of the rulers and they managed to dismiss by nook and crook Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. So what was this first satanic inspired event? That was interesting, the first. So why is that important to highlight? Who's just passed away? Umar. How quickly is the fitna now emerging? The Prophet said that he is the padlock to the fitna. Umar radiallahu meaning no fitna can emerge as long as he's alive. In Tabarani, authentic. One year passes, what's happened? The fitna you can see now has found a way. So what was the fitna? In Tabari in his tarikh 4-251, Al-Bidayah in the chapter, then followed the year 26 AH. It mentions, Sayyidina Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he was replaced by Sayyidina Walid ibn Uqba, in Kufa, because he had taken a loan through Abdullah ibn Mas'ud from the state treasury. So let's put the building blocks here. Sa'ad, he's been dismissed. Why? Because he'd taken a loan. And who did he take the loan from? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. But it wasn't his own personal wealth. It was from the Bayt al-Mal. But because he was the chief judge, he was somewhat responsible. So he gave the loan to Sa'ad. When Abdullah ibn Mas'ud then asked for its repayment, because there was a time period. Sayyidina Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he could not repay it or even give a proper explanation. Thus, a serious public argument broke out between them. Because a loan is a very serious thing. So you take a loan, there's a time stipulated. So obviously a time was stipulated by Sa'ad, I will pay you back by such and such a date. The time elapsed, so obviously, no matter who it is, Ibn Masood goes to Sa'ad, he goes, you need to pay back your, your debt. Sa'ad couldn't pay it back. Not only that, he couldn't offer a reasonable explanation. So their voices became raised. 
Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu back in Al-Madinah upon hearing of these turn of events, he became angry at both of them. He dismissed Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas radiyallahu bringing in his place Walid ibn Uqba radiyallahu who had been Umar's governor over Arab al-Jazeera. When he arrived, the people of Kufa welcomed him. He then stayed there for five years during which period he had no door to his house. Indeed, he was very kind to his subjects. Mm. So what happened? When Hazrat Uthman hears about this altercation between these two senior sahab, he's not happy. So why would he not be happy? Because people are observing the leaders. People are observing the seniors. And if they see an altercation take place, this disunity. So Uthman got angry. And what did he do? He dismissed Sa'ad. Mm. And who is he appointed in his place? His brother. Walid ibn Uqba was the brother of Uthman. How? They shared the same blessed mother. So Uthman's mother and Walid ibn Uqba's mother were the same. Now what's important? Look what the details mention about Walid because there's so many lies about Walid. Some say he was a drunkard and he was this and he was that. Uthman only put him there because he was his brother. So our response is complete the report. What does it say? Umar's governor over Arab Al-Jazeera was Walid. So it's not as if he's just come from, you know, eating grapes and now suddenly he's thrust as the governor. He's already been a governor of the Jazeera. <coughs> then Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir said, when he arrived, the people of Kufa welcomed him. He stayed there five years and there was not even a door to his house. Meaning people were just walking with their problems the, you know, things that needed to be fulfilled, meaning he was there for them. He was very kind to the subjects. Mm-hmm. So look how beautiful. Sahaba after Sahaba are being sent to Kufa. Mm-hmm. So that's one report. There's another. Mm-hmm. Hafiz Zahabi records this in his seer. Sayyidina Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, once owed money to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, thus he requested it from him, and they fell into a heated dispute. Hashim ibn Utba, Sa'ad's nephew, he intervened and he said, you are both companions of Rasulullah and the people look up to you. So look how beautiful. They started raising their voices. The nephew of Sa'ad, totally impartial. He didn't take his uncle's side. Because people are observing you, dear uncles. In other words, you know, be careful. Upon this, Sayyidina Sa'ad radiyallahu threw down his staff and he raised his hands to supplicate. He thereupon said, Ya Rabbu Sama, O the Lord of the heavens. So he raised his hands. He was all Lord of the heavens. And this was as far as he got. For Abdullah ibn Masood said, O Sa'ad, please do not curse. Stop. <laughs> Sa'ad's anger dissipated. But he still said, By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if it were not for the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I would now have made a dua which would not have escaped you. So now there's a problem. Somebody goes, I don't get it. So what don't you get? What? So he's making a dua. So Ibn Masood stops him. So I don't get it. The reason you don't get it is because you know who Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas is. 
And a person goes, he was a Sahaba, mashallah. But anything, you know, do we need, is there anything we need to know about this Sahaba? Is there anything special about him? Unique or not unique? But in the sense of the, you have to be very careful in this area. Yes, he was known for his acumen to us. They would be answered instantly. So his du'as were lethal. So why were his du'as lethal? You go to the reports. In Tirmidhi Ibn Hiban, Hakim Kanzal Umal, Volume 5, page 70, Mishkat Marifal Hadith, Volume 4, page 454 of the New English Translation, Ayat al Sahaba, Volume 5, page 155 of the New English Translation. Our beloved Messenger made this du'a for Sa'ad. Allahumma stajib li Sa'adin idha da'aq. O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, respond to the du'as which Sa'ad makes to you. <laughs> so it's not Sa'ad, even though he was most deserving. It was Rasulullah's du'a fit. He goes, Oh my Lord, when he makes du'a, respond to it. <laughs> so Ibn Mas'ud, he knew that. So think about this. Let's be you know, calm. Let's not take any sides. Who was right? Who was wrong? Mm-hmm. So obviously, Ibn Masood was right because the debt time had elapsed. He had to ask. Mm-hmm. Was Sa'ad wrong in not being able to pay back the debt? We can't say that. But by the letter of the law, Ibn Masood had to ask. Mm-hmm. Sa'ad, why did he delay? Allah Ali. There must have been a genuine reason for it. But Ibn Masood wasn't happy with that. Mm-hmm. Because the report says he wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. So the voices got raised. They are human beings. Look how amazing. When the nephew of Sa'ad intervened, as if to say, look, people are observing you. Because, you know, you're both senior companions. <laughs> Sa'ad's so angry. He, he throws his staff to the ground and he says, Ya Rabbus Sama. And think about that. That's, not, that's just the beginning of the dua. You're praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. O Lord of the heavens, Ibn Mas'ud, he knew the status of Sa'ad. He's one of the ten promised paradise. Mm. He's the maternal uncle of Rasulullah. He's the conqueror of you know, Persia. Mm. He's the founder of Kufa. Mm. You know, the list goes on endless. Mm. The one whose du'as are answered. Ibn Masood knew. Mm. And he said, stay away. Please don't curse, O Sa'ad. Now think about it. Look how humble that is. He didn't think for one moment, well, I've done nothing wrong. How can Allah Ta'ala afflict me? Shariat, right? You know, I'm, I know the Quran and the Sunnah. You know, the people think like that now. What? Make dua, brother. Did Ibn Masood say that? He goes, please don't do it. And look how beautiful. Soon as he made that statement, all his anger left. Sad. In other words, he just wanted that acknowledgement. But he did say this. If it were not for the fear of Allah, I would still have made a dua and he wouldn't have escaped. You will not have escaped from it. Mm. So now, this is the beauty of knowing the Sahab. Notice these reports you hear, but you don't know who the personalities are. Mm. Once you now know both personalities, you've learned about Ibn Masood, and we've recently been through the life of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqar. Look how beautiful it is. You're thinking, subhanAllah, he stopped him in his tracks. Mm. So now, that's if you knew who Sa'ad was. If you didn't, this is what would happen. Mm. In Ibn Asakir, Hujjatul Alal Alameen, volume 2, page 866, a woman was in the habit of peeping into the dwelling of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, in order to know what's happening inside the dwelling. 
He thus forbade and advised it time and time again. He goes, don't do that. This is against the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What are you doing? But she still kept doing it. Thus one fateful day in anger, Sa'ad radiyallahu made the following statement. May your face be disfigured. The outcome of which was that her neck and face turned back. She became totally disfigured. As if somebody had twisted her neck. So let's look at this. First of all, women, just like men, have their problems. One of the things that is quite common amongst women is they like to, you know, probe into personal things in their speech and, you know, because, oh, yeah, what's happening and this, that and the other. So this woman, maybe that's what her illness was. Now, why was she looking in Sa'ad's dwelling? You know, that's interesting. So thinking, good, maybe she wanted to see, you know, what sort of worship he was doing. Or, God forbid, maybe she wanted to find some error in his piety, thinking he's so pious outside, maybe inside he's not. Whatever the case, you're not supposed to be peeping. Sa'ad, very graciously, he forgave her a few times. You know, that's his graciousness. He didn't say, right. You know, he goes, don't do it. This is against me. You maybe do not know the command. For instance, there's a hadith in Sayyid Bukhari. And somebody peeped into the Prophet's dwelling. And the Prophet was combing his hair with a, with an iron comb at the time. And he threw the comb. And the narrator said, if he had hit the person, it would have damaged him. And the Prophet then said some harsh words. In other words, do not look into other people's dwellings. So again, it happened in the time of the Prophet The Prophet got upset. So not again, this etiquette. But was Sa'ad's dua answered? Immediately. You could argue, he didn't really mean it. He got angry. It doesn't matter. May your face be disfigured. Her face got disfigured. Another report. In Behaki and Hujjatul Alal Alameen, volume 2, page 866. A person was suffering from an extremely dangerous and fatal disease and had lost hope of life. The top in the report. This man was terminal. What's that word we use in Urdu? Jawab. Jawab. In other words, the, the doctor's written him off. <laughs> basically, sort your last lights out, do whatever you got to do. So this man, because he's basically, he's gone. He just staggered towards Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. And he begged him, O companion of Rasulullah, my children are still very young and there appears to be nobody to bring them up after my death. Those please, I implore you, supplicate that my life be lengthened till my children are mature. He took pity on his plight. And he made du'a for his health and survival. Subhanallah. He was cured. And he lived for another 20 years. Although he was hopeless about the cure of his disease. Subhanallah. This is in Behaki. So look how beautiful. He didn't always just, you know, <laughs> dump people or curse people. Now what's beautiful about this report? The man did not want to go to him. Why? You know, if you think about it, you know, every one of us would go. Forget about your dua, brother. Get yourself down to south. They'd be cues. So, why did he wait until he had no choice? Because when Allah puts you through a test, 
is out of his loop. The Prophet said, when Allah loves the servant, he tests him. And the Sahaba asked what, for further clarification, and the Prophet said, the more he loves, the more he will test. So this man knew that this was a good thing. But who did he think of? He thought of his children. He goes, I will die, alhamdulillah, no problem. But my children, who's going to look after them? So he used that. He goes, please, I implore you. Please make a dua that I live so my children mature. I don't have to worry about them. Sa'ad made dua. And look how quickly his dua was answered. Imagine somebody, they say, you know, you got two days to live. And you live for 20 years. You think, what the? Sort of a doctor you? He goes, no, he was. He was terminal. 20 years. And he goes, even though they had written him off. Now, why am I mentioning these reports? Why I've mentioned these reports is because did Ibn Masood know this? So straight away when he goes all over the heavens, he goes, stop. He didn't think, well, I've got a position with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I know my own rank and virtues. He straight away said, stop, please don't do it. And Sa'ad goes, I would have, but I won't due to the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And just to add this to finish. Thus it has been the practice of the learned throughout the ages to visit Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas's blessed grave in Jannat al-Baqi and after paying their respects to also then humbly request this most exalted soul to similarly make a dua for someone who finds themselves in a similar scenario. Subhanallah, how many countless believing men and women have thus been miraculously cured as a result. Look how beautiful. People know where his grave is. They got that map. So they go, they pay their respects. They go, Assalamu alaikum, my beloved companion, maternal uncle of Rasulullah, one of the blessed ten, mashallah. And then you think, okay, anything else? Why don't you ask him to make a dua? Do you think his duas only get answered when he was physically on the earth? Now what's shocking about this, very important to add, some erroneously believe that you requesting a senior deceased companion to make a dua for you, some erroneously believe that this is major shirk. Now think about that. Look at the contrast. One side they say, what a beautiful thing. You've gone to a person who's so close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his du'as will get answered. And you know that Allah has blessed him in his death as well. And you're asking him, even after he's in the state of barza, to make a du'a for you. So even logically, how can that be shirk? At the end of the day, Allah is the one answering. But you've gone through a righteous soul to make a du'a for you. And then you say, even logically, if you can go to a righteous living person... And nobody disagrees over that, that he can make a dua for you. And they say, that's fine. Then how can that same righteous living person, as soon as he dies, lose that quality? It doesn't make any sense. So now the only question is, you need to have surety of piety. And there's no doubt to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. The Prophet stamped him. So note people with intellects, understanding, they go to him. And they humbly ask him to make that dua that they need fulfilling. So yes, pay your respects. But of course, even great Rasulullah. So again, this is something we need to, you know, attach ourselves to. But how sad that some people not only call this a sin, they say this is major shirk. It takes you out of Islam. 
And even you know, rationally, how is that taking me out of Islam? Saad's not, not fulfilling my needs. He's a means to fulfill my needs. Ultimately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fulfilling my needs. Nobody believes that he's fulfilling my needs. So again, this is wasila. This is mentioned in Surah Maidah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh, you who believe, seek a wasila to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he's encouraging this, but know the legal roots don't transgress the, 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 the bounds as they say. So all I mentioned today was now the incident between Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and the details that we need to be aware of during this time. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi subhanakallahumma bihamdika ashtu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka 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 atubu al